Welcome to the Different Functional Podcast, where we explore the triumphs and challenges of trauma recovery and being neurodivergent in a neurotypical world. In today's episode, we're going to use music to explore the experience of self-discovery as an adult after a childhood of trauma or undiagnosed neurodivergence. I am Autumn, the older sister, and I would say that I was probably 23 or 24 years old before I even thought about developing an identity or considered the question of who I was. I I went through my whole adolescence and part of my early adulthood just never wondering. And it actually wasn't very convenient at all when I did start to wonder who I was because I was already locked into a degree program with a lot of student loan debt and in a marriage and living in a foreign country. So not a great time to have a beginning of life crisis. I'm kind of curious now, though, do you feel like you have a solid sense of identity at this point in your life? I'm Ivy, the younger sister, by the way. You know, I I don't know that I do. Like, I, I still feel like I am figuring out who I am now. I think my identity development pathway started when I was 23. But I don't know if any time since then, and I'm 40 now, I've ever actually been able to say, yes, this is who I am. I think I'm getting closer every year, but at this point, I'm kind of wondering if I'll ever for sure know it all. See, I asked the question because I kind of wonder if anybody ever completely figures out who they are. I don't know if it's just a neurodivergent thing or a trauma thing, or if neurotypical people who have had relatively stable lives also struggle with their sense of identity. But for me personally, I have never gotten to a point where I feel like, yes, this is who I am. It's, it's cycles for me. I feel like every few years I change enough and I grow enough and I kind of evolve as a person to a point where I don't relate to the person that I was two or three years ago. It's just a a constant series of transitions, basically. I'll feel really comfortable in my skin and really solid in who I am and my convictions for a little while, and then I'll go through another big transformation, like I'm a snake shedding its skin, and by the time I come out on the other side, I feel like I am significantly different than any other version of me that has existed previously. And I do kind of wonder if that is something that is just part of the human experience, or if that is something that's related to trauma, or if that's something related to neurodivergence. I mean, honestly, any of you guys out there listening, by all means, reach out to us and share your your stories with us. We'll give you some contact information at the end of the episode. I'd really love to know if this is also a struggle for you guys, or even if it's not a struggle, if it's just part of this journey or process that you enjoy, but do you ever really feel like you're fully set in stone as you as you are at any point? I would say that's a really good question because it does make you wonder about that because it looks like other people know who they are like you look at them and they're like oh that person knows who they are they must have developed their identity so to speak but maybe it's one of those things where we're all just faking it and on the inside we've got no clue who we are or it is possible that it is one of those things as well that those of us that are neurodivergent that have adhd or autism or have been different some way or have been through trauma how we have to think about mental health and we have to really 
deep dive into all of our emotions and actions until we question everything if identity is just another piece of that that we're constantly aware of and constantly questioning that neurotypical people or those raised in healthy environments never had to fully confront. If you grew up with trauma or you are on diagnosed neurodivergence such as ADHD or autism and you don't discover that until you're in your 20s or 30s or 40s or hell even 50s or 60s, it does create a very unique experience though because typically most people start looking at and developing their identity really hardcore in their adolescence and that's really what that whole period is known for when you look at developmental psychology and you pop open those textbooks that's what adolescence is all about it's rebelling against the family unit and discovering who you are and playing with different identities but for those of us that had to spend those years masking or had to spend those years surviving or both we didn't get the luxury of figuring out who we are or asking existential questions such as who am I or who do I want to be when I grow up? And so when we do finally get somewhat stable in our adulthood, a lot of times we're left not really knowing who we are at all. And that's a very... I don't know. It's a, it's a difficult experience, I think. All right. So you might be asking, why are we using music to explore this concept? Well, the reason why we're doing that is because music really is a great tool for helping us to explore our identity. And I think everybody on some level does use music to help them relate to the world or figure out who they are. And we generally start doing this pretty young. We start checking out different genres and we find ourselves identifying with certain lyrics or identifying with particular artists, or there's something about the music itself that moves us, or we feel like we fit into a community that is more geared around a specific genre. And a lot of times those musical tastes are not just that. There's other things that go with it. There's lifestyle things or personality things that go with it. And that's why music is such a great way for us to discover ourselves because we're relating to other people. We're figuring out our place in the world. One of the reasons why music is really great for this is that as we get kind of caught in our own echo chamber or in our really narrow social circles, but when you start looking at music and you start relating to particular songs or artists or whatever, you don't know these people. You've never met these people before. And yet something about the the music that they're creating or their lyrical content, it speaks to you. It resonates with you. It kind of vibrates within you. And most people have a very deep connection with the music that they listen to and they use it to help them process feelings or to express themselves or to uplift their mood or to help them have a, a cathartic or therapeutic moment. These are all huge indicators of who we are as people, what we're drawn to, what speaks to us, what we're really feeling deep inside. And so that's why we decided we would make a playlist that has to do with this concept of discovering yourself in adulthood. Music is such a fundamental stepping stone for nearly everybody. It's almost universal and helping us to grow and evolve into the people that we are yet to become as well. So what we'll be doing in today's episode is basically going over a playlist of identity development songs, songs that myself or Ivy or others have used on their self-discovery journey that are especially poignant and relevant to those of us that had that childhood of trauma that were undiagnosed neurodivergent. 
And so we're on that journey while we're trying to juggle healing and accepting our limitations and figuring out how to meet adult responsibilities. And on top of all of that, just trying to figure out who the fuck we are. So let's go ahead and jump in with our very first song on the list today. And this is one of that is very personal to me. And this is Still Broken by Blue October. I don't identify with this song anymore. Thank goodness I've, I've progressed on my journey. But this song is essentially about that feeling of being broken, of being wrong. And I'm not exactly sure what Blue October wrote the song about, if it was a relationship, but I found this very relevant to my own trauma because of the way the lyrics were. The idea that all the words you ever promised me were never spoken. And here I am, I'm not afraid of you, but I'm still broken. And that's where I felt at the very beginning of my journey in those early 20s where I was coming out of that trauma and I was beginning to realize that's what it was. It was trauma. And I was seeing how much I had been let down by those around me and how much I had been put through by those that were supposed to love me. And I looked into myself and I thought, I am broken. I am fucked up. There is something wrong with me. And I feel like this is a place where a lot of us really start our personality journey, our discovering of our identity when you've been through what we've been through. Because when you do finally get the chance to say, who am I? And to look at yourself closely in the mirror, what you end up seeing is a lot of the wounds and the scars and the blood that you've not yet had a chance to wash off. And you do feel broken. And that's part of why I love this song for the identity development journey. All right, one of the things that I would note here, though, is that it's really important not to get stuck in this space. It is important to go through this part of the journey. It's where you can acknowledge what's happened to you in terms of your trauma. You can acknowledge these patterns of behaviors and things that you had that didn't fit with other people and how that caused problems for you. And it's really hard to not get stuck in that, to get caught in that, that sneaky hate spiral and just think of yourself perpetually as being broken and there's no fixing me and all of that. And part of the reason why that can come up too is because we often do get a diagnosis. That word in and of itself can be incredibly stigmatizing because societally speaking, a diagnosis would suggest that there is something pathological. There is something deeply wounded, injured, broken. Those sorts of words come to mind for us with diagnosis because it is a word that is meant to indicate that something is wrong with you. And so when we get that diagnosis, a lot of times we can get caught up in that and we can trap ourselves in these labels and we can feel very pathological and we can feel very broken like we're never going to get out of that space and it's natural to feel that especially in the beginning because in the beginning of this self-identity discovery journey you are emerging out of this wounded space you're getting some clarity you're coming out into the world a little bit in you know, in your own skin. You're not just masking all the time anymore. You're not just going on autopilot. You're not just playing along by the rules. You're really starting to ask questions now. And all of that can be very, very daunting. And society will put all of these labels on you and the diagnoses. But here's what I would like you to think about. Ultimately, what labels do from a practical standpoint 
they help us to organize things. They help us to understand things, to categorize and cluster things so that we can process them and understand them more easily so that logically and analytically they can make more sense. And ultimately, switching my perspective on that helped so much. Once I stopped focusing on that, the pathological aspect of it, I was able to start researching ways that I could work with it, that I could manage things, different solutions, because there's so many things that you can do. And that's where the organizational aspect comes in. With that label, I was able to find some solutions to help me manage and mitigate some of the damage. And so I was able to get to a space where it was no longer a pathological thing for me. It was purely just having a label that I could use to organize my thoughts and to categorize what was going on with me and to figure out how to manage and mitigate things and to see the good things that come from it too because everything is a mixed bag there's always going to be good things and bad things with with everything that's just duality it's just the way that life is this is part of why i love that label neurodivergent because we are seeing a lot less stigma around that and we're even seeing now a lessening of the stigma around the diagnosis autism as well where when people get this diagnosis of you are autistic instead of it being oh my god this is something that's fundamentally wrong with me it's more of a relief that like oh my god now i finally understand so much about myself when we can depathologize these labels and just start using them like ivy said just as catch-alls as terms as way to access information and understand the world about us so we can work with it because ultimately once you start going down the rabbit hole and you stop looking at yourself as sick or as broken you do start to realize that it is a mixed bag. Yes, there's a lot of struggles and there's a lot of challenges that come with any mental health diagnosis, but there can also be a lot of gifts and a lot of positives that come with those quote-unquote symptoms that are what got us that diagnosis in the first place. And it leads into the next song on our playlist, which is Older Than I Am by Lennon Stella. And I say it leads into this because another one of the interesting things that happens as you're on this identity development journey as an adult is once you can move past that broken phase and you can stop saying myself as, as sick or wrong and you start saying, oh, this is just part of me. This is just who I am. You can then open your eyes and look at these other parts of you that you thought weren't a problem that you thought possibly were even gifts or great things about yourself and start to realize oh shit maybe that wasn't as healthy as i thought it was and this song older than i am by lennon stella i really related to this specifically growing up in a childhood of trauma because i was the hyper responsible one i was the one that ended up taking care of everybody and had to become an adult early i always joke that i was 40 by the time i was 13 so i was essentially 40 years old my entire adolescence and that's what I felt like. And just to read a little bit of these lyrics here, sometimes I wish I could do something stupid, be kind of reckless while I can, say I don't give a damn, but I'm older than I am. I could get hurt and get some scars to prove it just to say the hell with all my plans because I don't give a damn, but I'm older than I am. This whole song, which I felt so hardcore, and when I heard this the first time, I just was pouring down tears, and I actually only heard it within the last couple of years, but it still hit me that hard because 
I had become an adult and for so long I had looked at my maturity as something healthy. And I believe a lot of people that go through trauma do. They look at this as, oh, I'm super healthy. I'm really functioning. This is great. Or we do the same thing when we're neurodivergent and we're masking. We're like, oh, look at how good this is and how well I can function at work. And it's not until often years later that we start to realize the consequences of those behaviors, the toll that it takes on our psyche, the toll that it takes on our body and our health to hold that mask up, to hold up that hyper maturity, especially when we start masking or being so mature at such a young age. And that's another piece that comes with this too, is we end up missing out on so much. And that was a piece of grief that I really struggled with for probably the first decade of my identity journey was just how much I missed out on having fun with friends, learning skills, engaging in hobbies, just being myself, learning something because I wanted to, or being lazy. I don't think I actually felt okay with being lazy until I was in my late 30s. To, to be able to take a break is something that took me almost three decades of my life to learn how to do. Once you realize that those positive, healthy, societally inspiring things about you might actually be the things that are hurting you, that's another twisted loop on this journey. Another one of the things that can kind of come with that is once you start recognizing that you are older than you are and you start seeing that all of these behaviors that you've been praised for, you know, being really mature, being very responsible, once you recognize the ways in which that can also be harmful to you, it's almost impossible not to ask the question, what if things had been different? Would I be anything like this if I'd not gone through that trauma, if I hadn't had to do all of that masking. If I had just been allowed to develop in a healthy and safe environment, would I have all of these characteristics? Would I even be the same person? Who would I be if I'd been allowed to just be me? And that's one of the things that is also kind of a mixed bag as well. Because on the one hand, you do miss out on a lot of those really great experiences. And you do have these burning questions of like, what what could I have been like if I had just been allowed to be me, if I had been safe, if I had been protected, if I had been nurtured, who would I be? And I know I've definitely asked myself those questions lots of times and it can get really frustrating. And sometimes you just get so angry thinking about those missed opportunities and the experiences that you miss out on when you have to grow up so fast. I try to look at the bright side of things as much as, much as I can, as annoying as that can be sometimes. I do try to find a silver lining. One of the things that I do look at is that in some ways, having to grow up fast, having to be older than I am, it did prepare me for the world in, in ways that other people who are safe and protected don't get prepared for the world. Because I had to learn critical thinking skills young. I had to learn how to be analytical. I did have to learn how to be responsible. And I had to teach myself a lot of those things. Some of those things that other people really struggle with in their early adulthood, I was like, okay, I got that. Like I, I may not have gotten to have all of these cool experiences with friends or done the traditional college thing or you know, all of the experiences that I missed out on, but there were good things that came from it as well. And one of the other things that I try to look at as being a positive is that while yes, I missed out on a lot of good things, I also potentially missed out 
on a lot of bad things. So one of the things that I think about is that, you know, with PTSD, we do tend to be hypervigilant. We're much more aware of our surroundings. We are kind of always on edge, have our head on a swivel. We're always trying to make sure that we are safe. And while that is very, very stressful, the chances of you ultimately being able to protect yourself are higher because you are more aware you are more sober in your analysis of other people and so you may be more able to avoid things that well you know nobody likes to think about it but these things do happen you know date rapes being abducted those sorts of things they do happen to people every day people go missing and while having that hypervigilance may not completely protect you the fact that you are so much more aware of your surroundings, it definitely increases your chances of being able to protect yourself. And if you are trying to find your strength in that and you're trying to find ways to be safe and to protect yourself, maybe you also end up taking like self-defense classes or you learn really valuable skills that can help you to survive or to avoid potential dangers. And the reason why I think that this is a very positive thing is that I see people all the time just blissfully going through the world and I can tell that they are completely oblivious to their surroundings. And that's not me trying to pass judgment on them. It's just, I feel that when you go through a trauma, or when you do have to be hyper aware of everybody around you because you're masking and you're trying to make sure that you you fit in for the sake of safety that awareness of yourself of your surroundings of how other people are of what other people are capable of that that can help protect you yes it's challenging to live with that to always be hyper vigilant obviously that's a challenging thing and there are definitely times when you'll wish that you could just not have to think about it but the fact that you are thinking about those things there is that silver lining there that your chances of being safer and of being able to make better decisions in the long run especially as you gain more experiences in life you are pretty well set up to keep yourself safe you may not have been protected. You may have not been safe when you were a child, but now that you're an adult, having those skill sets that you learned to survive your childhood also helps you survive better as an adult. The greater awareness and the ability to protect yourself and the greater sense of knowledge that you develop as a result of developing those survival skills. Another benefit that actually ends up coming from this specifically as well is that like I said earlier, maybe it's because we have to examine these things so closely so we become so much more aware of them. While your maturity level and how hypervigilant you are, you do become aware of those things. And once you start to become aware, you can start making changes so that these things are now choices. There are so many neurotypical people that did grow up in safe environments that just go around being mature all the time because that's just what you have to be because we're an adult now. And that's bullshit. If I want to play on the swings by myself as a 40-year-old woman, I can play on the swings by myself as a 40-year-old woman and it's perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with that. And I get to enjoy that. I get to enjoy these different activities because I actually stopped and looked at this and said, okay, how mature do I want to be today? Do I want to be that mature or not? Do I want to follow these social scripts or not? 
And so that is another great thing about it is you do now get a conscious choice. The next song on our playlist is Razorblade by Blue October. And I feel like this speaks to that very personal anger that you feel towards those authority figures in your life, whether they were parents or teachers that did require you to mask or that put you through that trauma. A few lyrics from this. Because it is you that I remember in their bedroom. It is you that took their first away from them. It is you they set their standard to. You wounded them for life. You were a preacher and supposed to be above men. But this whole song speaks about how we were wounded by these other people. And I feel like this is an active part of developing our identity as an adult is coming to terms with that anger of those people that were supposed to be responsible for us and love us didn't. They actively caused significant issues in our life that are now making our current adult lives difficult and challenging to live as much as society tries to paint anger as being this really bad emotion that you shouldn't feel, I call bullshit on that because all of the emotions that we feel, and I've talked about this before in previous episodes, they serve a purpose. If they didn't serve a purpose, they would not be part of our emotional repertoire. That spectrum of emotion exists for a reason. And anger, one of its purposes is it gives us that adrenaline rush to get get on the move and to protect ourselves or to protect loved ones. And this is one of the things that we really want to look at when we're considering anger as part of this self-discovery journey and expressing ourselves you know, through music and finding stuff that we can relate to that has to do with our expression of anger. It is a motivating force to help us to do better moving forward. Yes, we're going to be angry at the people that traumatized us or that forced us to mask or that were hypocrites. Yes, of course, we're going to feel that anger. And it's good for us to feel that anger because through that anger, we can identify what it was that went wrong, what it was that was so horrible, what it was that was so traumatic. And with that information, we can flip it around and we can do better going forward. We can make better choices than than those individuals did that caused us that trauma or that forced us to mask. We can be less hypocritical. We can make decisions for ourselves about whether or not we want to mask, whether we want to fit in or whether we want to be fully authentically ourselves. And in those situations where we decide right now in this in these circumstances, I am going to be fully myself that anger also can help us to advocate for ourselves more. So if somebody's trying to shame us into masking, we can say, no, I'm not doing that anymore. Just because you want me to, just because it makes you more comfortable for me to mask who it is that I am, I'm not going to do that. Or just because it makes you uncomfortable that I am acknowledging the trauma that you caused me, I'm not going to stop acknowledging that and I'm not going to let that behavior continue. And that can be a really, really helpful thing that anger does. And yes, you will lose some relationships as a result of anger, potentially, especially if you are setting boundaries with the people who previously traumatized you. But here's the thing. Losing relationships is not always a bad thing. That's another positive thing about anger is it can motivate us to cut ties with people that are still doing damage to us, that are still traumatizing or still abusing us. Not every relationship is meant to last forever. And anger can help you sometimes to cut those ties, especially when you're dealing with somebody who you used to be really afraid of. That anger can help you turn on the ability to protect yourself and advocate for yourself and for the other people that you love who might also be at risk 
of being abused or traumatized. Another form of anger we often end up feeling isn't necessarily that personal anger, but it's almost a global or a societal anger. And this, I feel, is really captured by the song Riptide by Sick Puppies. And so just to give you a clue, it starts out, you hate all your children, they're too fat to feed, you're on medication, taking pills to sleep, I think I'm doing just fine. And I feel like this song really sums up that idea that as we get on this healing journey and we start looking at ourselves, especially if we've been given that diagnosis, especially if we have that stigma around us and other people are telling us that we're the wrong ones, we're the broken ones, and we start looking at us and then we start looking at society and we go, really? Because I see a lot of shit wrong in the world. You think I'm the broken one. And there can be some anger that really rises up from that, that feeling because you're not really that broken if you really take a look at society and the trauma and the horror and the crazy bullshit that just is society yet you're the one that has to bear the burden and you're the one that has to wear that label and again this is one of those areas where anger can be a really positive motivating force because once you recognize that this is not fair and you recognize that it's not right and that, that society is at least as broken as maybe you are, if not way more, once you can see all of those things and you recognize the hypocrisy, you can see that like, yeah, I'm not to blame for this. And I did not deserve what happened to me. I didn't deserve to have to be forced to mask. I didn't deserve to be abused. I didn't deserve to be traumatized. And this system is set up to essentially keep victimizing people who have been victimized by trying to tell them, oh, you know, you need to forgive, you need to move on, or, you know, you, you have to follow the rules. You know, once we can see that all of that is screwed up, one of the opportunities that we have is that we can start trying to create a society is better. And we do that in our everyday lives. We do that on a small scale. It's that butterfly effect thing where we make conscious decisions to live as we choose to live and we don't always follow the rules. A lot of times we do think out of the box. And if we choose to just be fully authentically ourselves and make our own decisions for ourselves, regardless of whether or not it fits with the predetermined scripts or it fits within those societally appropriate confines, we have the opportunity to create a better world for ourselves and better relationships for ourselves, but also to start creating change over time. And I think we're really starting to see that in you know, the millennials, and but even more so in the Gen Z, where everybody is starting to look at things and say, yeah, this is not right. We're not going to continue these patterns. I mean, this is where the brokenness is. And so many of us are struggling with the same things. So maybe if we're all struggling with the same things, maybe it's not so much us. Maybe it's the system that we've been conforming to generation after generation, and maybe it's time for a change. And I would even say that a lot of the positive shifts we are seeing are because we are having so many more people that have gone through trauma or who are embracing their neurodivergence and those diagnosis labels of ADHD or autism. And as they embrace those labels and they kick that stigma away from it, they are looking at this and going, you know what, it's not me that's broken, honey. We need to start looking at you, society, and we're starting to change those things. The next song on our playlist is Some of Our Parts by Mary Lambert. This is an excellent song, especially if you have been through trauma or if you were forced to mask by those that loved you or those around you. So a few of the lyrics, look at all the things we have come from. Sometimes it hurts when you become them. 
Sometimes I bury myself in my own wreckage and don't want to come out. And I chose that specific part of the song because one of the things that can happen is once we start becoming aware of what's happened to us and we start questioning, you know, who are we and what parts of this is me and is this trauma me and I just this scar, am I just this wound? And we get that anger that we talked about previously with the Sick Puppy songs and the Blue October song we can start getting rebellious and we can start acting out and we can start self-sabotaging, quote unquote, almost intentionally, because this is the first time for a lot of us that we have been allowed to authentically, openly feel our feelings and think our thoughts and express them out loud, even if only to ourselves, because we were muted. And when you have so much anger in you and you have so much hurt and you have been oppressed or repressed for so long, all of that has to go somewhere. And sometimes we do act out in certain ways. And sometimes we do wrap ourselves up in the damage and the wounds and are just like, fuck it, then this is who I'm going to be. I, I know I personally went through that phase for a while that I was just going to be that fucked up person and I was going to rebel and I was going to spin out because in part I had to own that piece of me. I had to claim that as something that was mine instead of doing what everybody had previously done to me, which was saying, that's not valid. It's not okay to feel it. Just shove it aside. And I said, no, I'm I'm not going to. I'm, I'm going to fully express it. I'm going to dive into it and I'm going to see what happens. This one was a huge part of my journey into finding the things that were fundamentally me. I really loved that as the song went on, it does do that thing that I was talking about before, using anger as a motivating force. My favorite part of this song, I'm going to read the lyrics here, was, I didn't know I was a phoenix till I learned how to speak. Even with ashes in my mouth, I was still born to breathe. I wonder, are you like me? Were you left in the fire? Are you raising yourself above your father's empire? And that hit so hard for me. As Autumn was talking about, kind of doing these self-destructive things, self-sabotaging things, rebelling, lashing out. Yes, I do feel like that is something a lot of us do because we are on one level still in that, that perpetual cycle of victimization. And even when our abuser is no longer there, we end up kind of victimizing ourselves over and over again because it's what we're used to. But eventually, I feel like what happens is you start to come out of that and you do start to feel that anger towards where this came from because we wouldn't be hurting ourselves and we wouldn't be abusing ourselves if we hadn't been through something that made us think that that's what we deserved. And when you start feeling that anger and you can use that as that motivating force, what comes next is being able to rise like that phoenix. And I know that sounds super cliche and you know, some people may make fun of that, but I love that imagery. I love that idea because that is what it is. You go through these things and for a while you feel so broken and you're just kind of hunkered down in the ashes and the destruction that was your life up to this point. But then you get to a point where you say, I am not going to let this be me anymore. I'm not going to let this define me anymore. Having those lived experiences and doing some of those, you know, those lashing out behaviors and acting out. Some of us actually do need that. We need that opportunity to let that anger express itself so that we can see better what's going on. We can end up having better self-awareness. We can see where it's coming from. And ultimately we start making better choices. I don't think I could have just talked it out in therapy. 
to be perfectly honest in my situation anyway maybe some people can but for me i needed that phase where i acted out i needed the that phase where i was self-sabotaging and self-destructive because that's what was the catalyst in piecing together everything that had happened and where all of my issues were stemming from and to recognize that I was hurting myself for absolutely no reason. I was carrying on the cycle of abuse that I never deserved, but I don't know that I would have gotten to that space had I not gone through that part of character development where I did kind of tear myself down and I broke everything apart because it was in those ashes that I started to find who I actually was and I started to find my strength because fact of the matter was is that everything had been crushed and burned and yet I was still alive and I was still there and that meant I could do something with my life. But here is one of the catches that comes with figuring that out as an adult. And that is that sometimes you've been crushed and you've been burned and you're living in those ashes and you create a life in those ashes. And this happens a lot for those of us that were hyper responsible or had masked for so long that we assumed that this was our identity is we make huge, drastic life choices based on this autopilot self that isn't us. And one of the songs that captures this really well for me is Reba McIntyre's Is There Life Out There? She married when she was 20. She thought she was ready. Now she's not so sure. She thought she'd done some living, but now she's wondering what she's living for. Now she's feeling that there's something more. Is there life out there? So much she hasn't done. Is there life beyond her family and her home? She's done what she should. Should she do what she dares? And this I really felt, and this was a song that unfortunately became came to define my very first marriage is because like I said, I was 40 when I was in my 20s. And so when I met my first husband, I was 18 and he was 18 years older than me, but it worked out really well because I was older than him in a lot of ways. But once I got out of the house and once I started deprogramming, I realized this isn't who I was. I don't mesh up with this man. He is way too old for me. I still have so much life I need to live. I have so many experiences I want to experience. And I had tied myself into a marriage and I was living in a foreign country and I had tied myself through student loan debt into this degree that I thought I had to finish. And it can be a struggle when you're trying to create your own identity and come into your authentic self when you've previously tied yourself to all these huge obligations that you can't just easily escape but as hard as it is though even though we may have boxed ourselves into a life we don't necessarily want it is a box and that box can be broken and yes it is more difficult in our adulthood but it is still possible you know, one of the positives that I see in this is that while, yes, the consequences are much bigger when you're trying to develop your identity as an adult, but because they are bigger, all of these decisions that you make are more meaningful. And I think it makes us much more intentional people. Yes, you may have boxed yourself into a situation and now you have to get creative sometimes about extricating yourself from that situation, from that box. But because you recognize that the consequences are bigger, because you recognize how valuable time is, 
you see how important it is for you to be able to find yourself and to develop relationships that are really meaningful for you and to follow a life path that feels authentic. I do think that we are more intentional in the choices that we make. And I think also because it's taken longer for us to get to this point and we've had to fight harder to get here, it prepares us to better to really advocate for ourselves because so many opportunities were lost. So many opportunities were wasted for so long. We felt like we didn't have options. And once you finally realize that you do have options and you can make different choices and you really start growing into yourself and figuring out what it is that you want your life to actually look like, by the time that you do that, time is more limited and these choices are more important and the consequences are bigger. And so you are more willing to fight for yourself. And when you've really had the opportunity to think all these things through and to have a better ability to analyze kind of the, the potential consequences of actions, I think you can also make decisions more confidently and you can feel more secure in them. And it doesn't mean it's not going to be scary. It definitely can still be very scary, particularly when you're making big life decisions. But I do think that, you know, the set of circumstances and all of the things that we go through to get to this point, it does better prepare us to stand up for ourselves and to stand up for what it is that we want. And that when we do make a big change and we do make big decisions, we do it with more of a sense of confidence that, no, this is what I want. And I know it's what I want because I've had to think about this so much harder and I've had to work so much harder to develop into the person that I am. And come hell or high water, I will live a life that is more in line with who I am and what it is that I want. I'm not just going to live for other people or by other people's rules anymore. It can take quite a bit of time, however, to build the confidence you need to really make those big decisions. And part of that is because as both Ivy and I have said, you do end up thinking a lot more about everything. And when you start really looking at yourself, especially if you're on a healing journey, and so you're getting all this information about mental health and physical health and all of these other things, and you're using that as part of what you're reflecting yourself with to figure yourself out, you have so much information and you start asking so many questions and you start questioning every little thing about yourself and you end up almost going down a rabbit hole of wondering, is this me? Is that me? Is that not me? And it gets so much more complex and it gets so much more difficult to navigate because things become less black and white and you have a lot more gray that you have to get through. And the song we chose to represent this is She Used to Be Mine by Sarah Barry Ellis. And this one is actually very personal to Ivy. And so I'm going to let her talk about this song. This entire song is basically about this concept that this woman has about who she feels like she used to be. The circumstances in her life that have changed and now she doesn't know anymore who who she is and she doesn't recognize herself. Part of the lyrics of this song is, and then she'll get stuck and be scared of the life that's inside her growing stronger each day till it finally reminds her to fight just a little to bring back the fire in her eyes that's been gone, but it used to be mine. This song was 
very pertinent in my journey of self-discovery because there were so many things that I felt were me, that they were fundamental parts of who I was as a person. And then through a set of circumstances over the course of a couple of years, really around the time that our mom died, I went through a huge and very painful transformation. And during that period of time, I completely lost sight of who I was. I didn't relate to myself. I didn't see myself clearly. And while there were a lot of things about myself that I hadn't liked, there were also a lot of things that I was very protective of, those little vulnerable things that we all have. And I felt like I was exposed and I felt like I had lost myself completely. And I was just walking through the world a little bit like a zombie. I didn't even know who I was anymore. It was like I was just a ghost of myself. And that period of time was very painful for me. All of these circumstances I found myself in were really pushing me past my limitations. And they were pushing me past all of these preconceived notions that I had of who I was as a person. I was thrown into a space where I had to question absolutely everything in that void of wondering if you ever knew yourself at all and trying to figure out who you are now and what you're trying to do with your life. It's very difficult to navigate that. And it's really scary to navigate that. Once you get into that space, you really go down a rabbit hole because you are really questioning absolutely everything about who you are, everything that you ever were, every decision you ever made, everything that led you up to this point. Because how could you just get to a point where you've lost all your sense of identity? But the flip side of that and the really positive side of that is because I felt like all of those things had been stripped away from me and I did feel so exposed, I really had nothing else to lose. Since I was already in that space, it gave me an opportunity to really start defining myself all over again. It was very uncomfortable, obviously, to have to deal with that, very painful to have to deal with that, which is a mixed blessing because it, it hurts and it sucks and it's scary. But at the same time, there's so much freedom in being able to rebuild yourself as you really get to make more empowering choices moving forward about who you are and what you're going to do and what you stand for and what you want your life to look like. Oftentimes when we're going down that rabbit hole of questioning, one of the things we end up questioning isn't necessarily about us, but it's what we're being told about us and what we're being told about our identity. Because those of us who've gone through trauma, and especially those of us who are undiagnosed neurodivergent that have been masking for so long, we really allowed for years or decades others to define who we were, to set the standards for our personality and identity. And once we get down that rabbit hole of questions, we start going, oh my God, how much of this is me? How much of this is only me because I was told it was me or was supposed to be me or I should have this be me? And the song that really encaptures this idea is Sit Still and Look Pretty by Dea. This song is really about all of those societal expectations that are put on us that we're supposed to have. And as you get on this identity development journey, one of the things you start to realize is those societal expectations aren't me. They may be a mask I was wearing, but they're not necessarily a mask I want to wear anymore. One of the things I think is really important to think about here is that this is not exclusive to people who have been through trauma. This is not exclusive to people who are neurodivergent. This is something that all people experience. It is human nature 
to try to fit in, to be part of the pack. We are still pack-minded creatures. And so pretty much everybody, to a certain degree, allows other people, allows society to define who we are and how we're supposed to act. It's you know, subliminal messaging and direct messaging that we get from the time that we're born into this world. And yes, some things are changing, but just to think, you know, even 20 years ago, it was really common that if you were having a baby, pink was a girl color, blue was a boy color. And yeah, now we're starting to question those things, but 20 years ago, nobody questioned that at all. Boys didn't wear pink and girls didn't play with G.I. Joes. It was just not something that you were supposed to do. It didn't fit within the rules. And so in a sense, everybody gets fed these messages about who we're supposed to be and how we're supposed to define ourselves and how we're supposed to act. One of the benefits of having gone through a trauma, one of the benefits of being neurodivergent is that we end up questioning this a lot more just by nature of existing and how our brains work and the experiences that we had that didn't fit with what we were told things were supposed to operate like we question things very early compared to other people some people go their whole lives and they never question at all they just do it because that's what everybody tells them that they're supposed to do. But we don't do that. And I think that's one of the most beneficial things for us. And I think it's one of the best things about us and the best things that we have to offer. Our horizons are a lot broader. And we do ask difficult questions and important questions. And that causes other people to have to think about things that they wouldn't have thought about before. So not only do we have the opportunity to break out of these societal boxes ourselves, we also, like we kind of talked about earlier in the episode, have the opportunity to help other people to break out of boxes and to think about things differently and to maybe start shifting the way that society views things and shifting the way that the world works. Unfortunately, even though we are shifting society bit by bit, it is not fully shifted yet. And one of the things that we run into on this identity development journey is we do start unmasking and we do start discovering who we are. And then we want to be that person and we want to act as our authentic selves and project as our authentic selves. But what we run into is that we can't always do this. We want to just strip the mask off and be us all the time. But unfortunately, if you have to exist within society, if you need to have a job, if you need to live in a shared environment, there are some times you will have to mask. And this is one of the struggles that comes with that identity development is then learning how to balance your authentic self with your masked self. And this is a whole skill that you have to learn because we lived so long behind a mask, behind the scripted responses that we always provided. And now we have to figure out, okay, when do I mask and when am I authentic and how do I manage to handle this? And even more so, how do I manage to put the mask back on when it now feels so uncomfortable? And the song that really helps to encompass this idea is Odd One by Sick Puppies. So Odd One, I Wish I Was You, You're Never Concerned With Acceptance, We're All Desperately Seeking Out and Fitting In With Anyone Who Will Accept Us But Not You, Odd One. 
And I think a lot of us, as we do come into our authentic selves, we want to be that odd one. We want to be, yeah, I'm not concerned with acceptance and this is just who I am. And we want people to admire that in us and we want to admire that in ourselves. But like I said, if you've got a job interview, if you have to put on a certain persona in order to get the apartment that you need to live in, you can't always be that odd one, no matter how much you want to be. I don't know if this will bring comfort to anybody else, but it does bring comfort to me sometimes when I am super frustrated about this because I really do value authenticity and just, you know, whoever you are, just be that, you know. But one of the things that does bring some comfort to me is knowing that to a certain degree, this is another one of those universal things. Everybody wears different masks for different scenarios. You know, I don't anticipate that who my chiropractor is when I interact with him is the same person that he is with his friends or the same person that he is with his spouse or, or their children. So this is something that is kind of a universal concept here. It is, I think, harder <laughs> for us as neurodivergent people or people who have been through trauma to put that mask on when we finally feel like we are accepting of ourselves and we feel that sense of freedom in being able to take the mask off. I do think it is kind of harder for, for us to have to put it back on in some situations, but to a certain degree, everybody has to do it. So we're not really being inauthentic to ourselves, though it may feel that way sometimes. We're just doing what everybody does. Who you are at work is different from who you are at home, which is different from who you are at school, who you are with your friends, who you are with your partner, who you are with your children. It's just how it is. So that does bring some comfort to me. What also brings some comfort is the knowledge that we do, once we've accepted ourselves and we start unmasking and we try it on for size, just being who we are, it does allow us a little bit more choice. Because before we were just masking all the time. We were just trying to fit in and that is exhausting. We were trying to avoid persecution or getting fired from jobs or losing relationships. We were just trying so hard all the time to wear this mask that did not feel like us. Now, we are very good at masking when we need to be. We are very good at being whatever it is that is expected of us in a particular scenario. And now we get to choose when we put that mask on, which mask we put on, how much of it is there, whether it's you know a full-on mask or whether it's something a little bit more transparent. We, we have so much more freedom, so much more flexibility to make those choices for ourselves. And we make those choices based on the consequences of that. How much of yourself are you willing to cover up in order to have you know, financial security because you can't unmask it in your line of work? Maybe you're somebody that can and that is fantastic for you, but a lot of people, they can't. Some people will choose, myself included, to not work in the corporate world because it's not worth it to me. When I did work in the corporate world, I literally wanted to fucking kill myself. And I know that sounds very extreme, but that's just a fact of the matter. When I was working in the corporate world, I was suicidal because I hated everything about it. It felt, it felt like being in prison to me. It, it did not fit anything about who I am and the effort of having to mask at that level and in those ways around those people all the time. It was just way too much. 
And so those are decisions that we get to make. Once we recognize these things about ourselves and we allow ourselves more freedom to unmask when we choose to, we also get to make more choices about our relationships, where we work at, what it is that we're doing with our lives, what things that we value, and we get to decide for ourselves when it's worth masking and when it's not worth masking. Very similarly related to that idea of masking and the mask you wear with your chiropractor versus the mask you wear at work and the mask you wear with your children, One of the other things we run into on this identity development journey is identifying the difference between our mask and our authentic self. Because the reality is, is we do act differently with different people. And this isn't always a mask. Sometimes we are authentically ourselves, but we're just authentically different with different sets or groups of people. And the song that really encompasses this idea is This Is Who I Am by Jessica Andrews. The chorus in this is, I am Rosemary's granddaughter, the spitting image of my father, and when the day is done, my mama's still my biggest fan. Sometimes I'm clueless and I'm clumsy, but I've got friends who love me, and they know just where I stand. It's all a part of me, and that is who I am. And that's something that a lot of us have to learn, especially if we've spent so long playing a part to survive or being on autopilot to survive, but especially if we've spent so long masking, is realizing that being your authentic self may mean acting differently with different people. And initially that can feel very inauthentic and it can feel very like you're lying or you're masking again but it's not. It's a very subtle difference that we have to explore and learn. I know I keep harping on this point, but this is another area where it's a nearly universal concept. This is a thing that humans just do. The reason why I keep harping on this idea is that so often because we feel so different and we feel so out of place, we feel like a square peg in a round hole and we feel broken, So much of the time we forget that some of the things that we are dealing with, some of the things that we have to do are things that everyone has to do. We may have a harder time with it, but these are things that are required of everybody or they're things that everybody kind of naturally does. It's normal to have different kinds of relationships with different people. How I am with Autumn And the kinds of conversations that we have, the activities that we do together are completely different from the conversations and activities and dynamic that I have with my partner. And that's completely different from dynamics that I have with each of my individual friends. Different people will fill different roles in your life and vice versa. You will fill a different role for for different people in your life. You wouldn't interact with your young children the same way that you would with your best friend. There's nothing inauthentic about you showing a different facet of yourself to different people. And if anything, allowing ourselves that freedom to have different kinds of relationships with different people does allow us to have more full expression of ourselves overall. It allows us to be able to explore certain aspects of our personality or to explore different activities or hobbies that we might not get to do if we are just trying to be the same person all the time. And I think that idea that this is something that everybody goes through is a good one. And we don't say that to be 
invalidating of the struggle that you feel when you go through these things or to undermine the experience of having to heal and juggle adult responsibilities and figure out who you are all as an adult because it is a very unique struggle in and of itself. But sometimes we start to think that this is, you know, a special struggle just for us that's above and beyond. And it isn't necessarily. This is it's a human, it's a uniting factor amongst all of us. It's sometimes nice to reach out and look at all of the other humans around you and realize I am part of that. Because I feel like that is another part of developing your identity is figuring out what you do and don't have in common with those around you. Now, as you begin identifying your authentic self and when you're going to mask and when you're not going to mask and you start making these conscious choices, one of the things that can happen on this identity development journey is that you can end up losing relationships because a lot of people will think, oh, you're changing so much or you're just not the person you used to be. And in a lot of ways, this is very accurate. You're not the person you used to be. You're not just an empty mask anymore. You're not somebody on autopilot just trying to survive. You are becoming your authentic self. You're figuring out who you are and you're expressing this outward. And that may mean that you end up losing relationships, losing friendships, losing family members. And that is one of the reasons I love the song, Lose You to Love Me by Selena Gomez. Because this song specifically talks about toxic relationships. So you promised the world and I fell for it. I put you first and you adored it. Set fires to my forest and you let it burn. I needed to hate you to love me. I needed to lose you to love me. And unfortunately, the reality is, is that sometimes when we do start becoming our authentic selves, other people in our life won't necessarily like that or we won't mesh with them or have as much in common with them anymore but that's okay if they no longer fit. This may mean we cut ties to toxic relationships and it may mean that we now are open to have more supportive, loving people around us. To a certain degree, this is something that is just natural. Not every relationship is meant to last forever. I said that earlier in the episode. I've mentioned that in other episodes before. Not every person that comes into your life is going to stay in your life forever because people do grow and they do change. And some people choose not to grow or change and that can cause a rift. Not everybody that you have in your life right now is going to be there forever. Sometimes you drift away from people. Sometimes you have to cut ties. It's just a thing that happens. And here's the thing to remember, especially as you are developing your sense of identity and you are feeling vulnerable and these things do feel like losses. When you lose these relationships, it's not your fault. It's not a personal failure. It's not even necessarily that anything was wrong. Some of those relationships are super toxic and you're cutting those ties and it's very abrupt and there's very specific reasons for it. But sometimes even when there isn't some big catalyst to it, you grow apart and that's fine. It's not a personal failure. It's not because of your diagnosis. It's not because you're broken. It's just that you're growing and when we grow, not every relationship grows with us. It's just the way that it is. It's not anything to be ashamed of. It's not anything to blame yourself for. And if anything, 
it gives you the opportunity, like Autumn mentioned, to find relationships with people that are safe and loving, to find relationships with people who relate to who you are now and where you're at in your own journey at this point in time, who may possibly be going through some of this, the same things. It gives you an opportunity to expand your social circle instead of spending all of your time scrambling and grasping to hold on to the ones that you have right now even when they don't fit anymore and sometimes even when they're directly toxic or abusive to you look at it as an opportunity instead for for growth it's not anything that you did wrong you're just growing this was one of the hardest lessons on my personal self-identity journey because it took me a couple marriages and three relationships to figure that out like I said, in my first marriage, once I actually started deprogramming and I turned 23 and actually turned 23, I had grown and I had changed and that marriage no longer made sense. I couldn't support my then husband like I needed to. I couldn't be there for him like I needed to, nor could he be there for me because I was such a different person and I had grown so much and that relationship dissolved. And then I ended up getting into another marriage and it was perfect for who I was and it made all the sense in the world and it helped me grow so much and it helped them grow so much. And then I changed a lot and they changed a lot and we didn't fit together anymore. And I felt so bad and I felt so guilty again. And then that was about the time I started realizing that we just were growing apart. It wasn't anybody's fault we weren't intentionally hurting one another. It just didn't make sense anymore. And now I'm in a relationship yet again that makes all the sense and seems to fit and helps both of us grow, but I'm not clinging to this one as hard as I did before. And if he and I grow apart, part of me now sees this as an awesome blessing in some way that I was able to encounter people in my life and help them grow and they helped me grow and it's okay that we did not grow in the same direction it's okay that we both grew toward our own light and i think that's an excellent gift that we can give other people is encouraging their growth through our own growth and our identity and development but it's not always easy because like i said with the reba mcintyre is their life out there when you've boxed yourself in it can be hard to make these drastic changes in your life because when you really start to figure out who you are or if you go through cycles like ivy does and she's redefining who she is every so often this may mean redefining your life every so often and as you get into an adult with all the encumberments of adulthood your career or your job and then if you have children or you have marriages or you have houses or rental agreements even that can be a really huge thing and the song that we chose to really encompass this idea, this is an oldie, but I really think it fits, is Landslide by Fleetwood Mac. Well, I've been afraid of changing because I've built my life around you, but time makes you bolder, even children get older, and I'm getting older too. That is the reality is sometimes it does feel like a landslide, that all of this is just tumbling down around us, that our lives are falling apart. But sometimes it's not necessarily that our lives are falling apart or anything's going backwards or falling down. It's just things are getting completely rearranged. And if we live in constant fear of changing any of those things in our life, if we allow ourselves to be constrained by those agreements and those boxes we set ourselves in when we weren't really ourselves, 
then we're never going to be able to grow and we're never going to be able to be authentically ourselves, whoever that is today. That brings to mind that saying to me that sometimes things have to fall apart in order for them to come together. I know that sounds cliche, but I mean, honestly, I've found it to be pretty true over the course of my life. There have been so many times when I felt like the the rug got ripped out from underneath me and everything kind of crumbled down around me and I just had to roll with it because what else can you do? Sometimes when you're growing and you're changing and you're healing, it really does alter the course of your life because it alters you. But, you know, as, as Autumn kind of mentioned before, the growing towards your own light, we are growing much like plants do. It, it is not an easy process. There's a lot of work that goes into it and you are breaking ground. And when you break ground, there's consequences to that and there's some fallout to that. But when you break that ground and you're, you know, you're, if you're tilling the soil and all that, you bring new life, you bring new air into things and that allows you opportunities. It's just scary and it's difficult and it can be really painful. But what I will say is that in all of the times that I felt like my life came crashing down around me or even my sense of self came crashing down within me, every time things fell apart, they did come back together differently, but ultimately better. In every, in every landslide that I have been in, I have felt happier and stronger and better equipped and more contented on the other side of it. And due to that, I actually now am much more trusting in the process. Every single time I have emerged and pretty much emerged triumphant. Sometimes, you know, you, you accept a failure. But for the most part, even those failures are lessons, they're opportunities. It's really what you do with them. It's not just your perspective. It's what you choose to do with what you have now. It's what you choose to build and where you choose to build it, no matter how hard it gets. This is happening for a reason. And if you don't believe in fate or whatever, that's fine. Sometimes it's happening for a reason because you gave it purpose. You gave a reason to these challenges. You made something of it. Those lessons that Ivy is talking about us learning are also very valuable things as well, especially for those of you that have children or who are helping others, either in a personal or a professional setting. Those lessons that we learn on this identity development journey, those questions that we ask, those rabbit holes that we've been down, they can really then help us to help others. And so while Ivy and I can't specifically speak towards raising children when you're not even yet sure who you are, we can speak to some degree to assisting others on their own identity to development journey when you're still kind of lost in the woods on yours. And the song we use to highlight this idea is All I Know So Far by Pink. I wish someone would have told me that life is ours to choose. No one's handing you the keys or a book with all the rules. The little that I know, 
I'll tell to you. And I'm not for sure on this one because I haven't, you know, Googled into it or anything. But based on the video and the lyrics, this, I believe, actually is Pink singing towards, speaking towards her children and saying, these are the lessons I've learned. I don't know everything. I don't understand everything. I'm still on the journey myself. But this is what I know so far. You know, take it with a grain of salt. But here it is. Here it is from my heart. And here it is from a hard learned lesson and a well-beaten path that I myself made. And I think that's an excellent gift that we can offer when we are on this identity journey. Even if we're just one or two steps ahead of somebody else that's starting on this journey, we've still macheted our way through the forest so much that we are beginning to create a path that can help other people find their way. One of the most encouraging things that I have seen in recent years is that children that are being born now are being born into homes with parents who have that they've shunned the way things have always been idea they are not going on autopilot and a lot of those parents are neurodivergent or have gone through some sort of trauma they've gone through something that shook their foundations of what they believe to be true that made them question what society was telling them or what their family was telling them or what their religion was telling them something it shook up those foundations it made them question things and it has led i think to better parenting and to more compassion and more empathy this whole process of taking all these things that we've experienced taking all these things that we've learned and passing on not only that knowledge but also offering a helping hand and guiding others with love and compassion i see so much more of that and it brings so much joy to my heart to see so many parents specifically offering that to their children it really does seem like there has been a shift in how people raise their kids they're raising them now with emotional intelligence like teaching them what that means and and validating their feelings and talking things through with them and helping them to problem solve they're not just having that that old attitude of you know do it because i said so when children are meant to be just quiet and behave like we're not doing that so much anymore. There's more and more parents who are bucking that idea and they're going about things in a different way because of the things that they've seen and experienced and they want a better future for their kids. They want their kids to feel more safe and validated and loved. And that is amazing. One of the amazing things that is coming out of that, that is coming from those those lessons we're now handing down to our children intentionally, is a greater acceptance, not just in the next generation learning to accept the differences within themselves because those differences are now being not just accepted, but celebrated to some degree, but also acceptance of ourselves because we do start to realize, you know, I couldn't have handed these lessons down. I couldn't have gotten to this point on the journey if I hadn't taken the journey if I wasn't who I was. And that there is a huge piece of the self-identity journey that we take as adults is learning to accept yourself wholly. Not just this good parts, not just the shoulds that society's given you, not the positives that you see in yourself, but all of it, the good and the bad, the mixture that is you that makes you you. And the song I really like for this is Scars to Your Beautiful by, I think it's pronounced Alessia Cara. But there's a hope that's waiting for you in the dark. 
You should know you're beautiful just the way you are, and you don't have to change a thing. The world could change its heart. And I, I love that idea about, again, learning to accept us and, and identifying that we don't always have to be the ones to change. Sometimes it's society that needs to change. And another piece that goes hand in hand with this, at least I feel it does, is that idea of accepting that diagnosis as a valid and acceptable part of who you are and not being ashamed of it and not feeling wrong because of it, but just knowing that it's a piece of you. And honestly, for me, when I first realized that I was autistic specifically, I became so attached to that label. And I see on the TikTok as I watch different people in the autistic community talk about, you know, being late diagnosed autistic or even late diagnosed ADHD, some of them break down in tears and they're not necessarily tears of sadness. They're tears of understanding. And the therapist that I had talked about being autistic with, she asked me like, why are you so into this label? Why is this label so important to you? It's just, it's just a diagnosis. It's just words. And I was like, no, it's, it's like a validation. It's like an explanation of my life. It's like, I am a dog living in a world of cats. And I have spent my whole life wondering what is wrong with me that I can't jump these great heights, that I can't snare birds out of the air. What is wrong with me that I cannot climb a tree? And then finally somebody came and said, oh, but honey, you're not a cat, you're a dog. And I was like, holy God. Yes, I, there's, I'm not a bad cat. I'm a great fucking dog. And that's what accepting those diagnoses and that's what accepting the wholeness of us can really look like is realizing that we're not broken neurotypicals. We're not healthy people that have some illness or sickness. We're just different. And that's okay to be different. It's okay to be a dog and not a cat. It's also okay to be a cat and not a dog. But finally acknowledging what you truly are can open up the door to accepting all of you. I mentioned it earlier in the episode how the the word diagnosis can be kind of a big scary word because of all the stigmas that are associated with it but you know what autumn was saying there that right there is exactly why i think it is so important to not get stuck in the idea of brokenness and pathological i really like to think of it instead of being a diagnosable pathology i really like to think of it more as like this is a helpful label and part of why it is helpful is because there are certain characteristics that tend to be common when you are autistic or when you are bipolar or when you are adhd or when you have ptsd there are certain characteristics that tend to be common when we remove the stigma from it and we are able to talk about it openly and casually and just be very accepting of it and approach it with curiosity and encourage other people to do the same, it stops really being pathological so much. And it starts being grounds for others to understand us better. Because instead of having to explain to them every little thing that we do, all these little quirks and eccentricities that we have, some of those things can be categorized under a larger umbrella. And that's what these labels are. So that when we're talking about these things openly and casually, it's just a thing. It's just who I am. It's part of my identity. 
when enough people become familiar with the characteristics that are common under these umbrellas, it opens a lot more doors for understanding more easily. I love the idea of all of us starting to be more accepting of ourselves, more accepting of these parts of ourselves to stop thinking of it as being a pathological thing and just start embracing it as part of who we are and just talking to people about it, just being super chill about it. It's just a thing. When we bring awareness, when we increase the knowledge that we have and we increase the knowledge that we're giving to other people, these things really just do become helpful labels for people to understand us. It's just like everybody using pronouns. That is meant to be a helpful label to help other people understand you better. And I think the same thing could easily apply with things like autism and ADHD. It's just a helpful label so that other people can understand us better. And honestly, I don't know about you guys, but the more that I have grown and the more I've healed and the more that I have learned about these things within myself, I kind of like it. I enjoy being different. I take pride in some of those things. And I also take joy in the things that I share in common with other people that are experiencing some of the same things, who are dealing with some of the same things. And if other people don't like me, well, I mean, that's okay. Not everybody's going to like you. I haven't watched the series and I know a ton of people are probably going to be all up in my grill for it. But the new Wednesday series, there's that, that one part in there that I keep seeing on Instagram reels that I absolutely love where she says, you know, when people don't like me, I pretend I don't care, but secretly I enjoy it. And that made me laugh so hard because the older that I get and the more that I'm embracing myself, the more I do feel that way. You know, I, I think the more that we embrace ourselves, all of ourselves, our totality, that's just going to open up so many more doors for us to relate to other people who are similar to us or people who are curious or people who are drawn to the really amazing things that come with being neurodivergent or healing from a trauma. There are so many amazing things that come from that and people, whether you realize it or not, are so drawn to that. Not everybody's going to like it, but you know what? That's okay too because it Man, that helps weed out the undesirables pretty quickly and really helps you find the people who will be, for lack of a better word, your tribe. And that is the next piece we wanted to talk about on the self-identity journey is that idea of once you do start to discover who you are and you are presenting yourself authentically and you've started to answer these questions and you've started to really accept who you are and you're putting that out there and you will get negative feedback because we are different in a society that celebrates uniformity. And so you're going to get pushback. You're going to get just that natural societal instinct to automatically correct you and put you back in the box they want you to be in. And that can be difficult to deal with. But one of the songs I absolutely love that really helps me with this idea is This Is Me from The Greatest Showman. And I think some famous singer also sung it, but I just know it from the musical because I'm a dork. But uh, I want to read the entire set of lyrics, but I won't. I'll just select a little bit. When the sharpest words want to cut me down, I'm going to send a flood, going to drown them out. I am brave. I am bruised. I am who I'm meant to be. This is me. Look out because here I come and I'm marching to the beat I drum. I'm not scared to be seen. 
I make no apologies. This is me. And this is a part of the journey that I am still learning to embrace because right now I still do make the apologies. I throw out my autism as a disclaimer and I don't want to do that anymore. I want to throw out my autism as a point of pride, as something that does celebrate me as different, that does say, yes, sure, I am a freak in the society, but how amazing is it to be a freak in a society that that's this messed up. I'm so glad I don't belong. And that's the part of the journey that I am currently on is learning to really be myself wholly and fully and in a proud way, even when I'm presented with those people that are invalidating, that are pushing me back, that are attempting so hard to push me into a hole that I do not belong in. That really resonates with me so much. I do really value the freedom to keep exploring who I am and to keep growing in the ways that I want. And I do not want anybody trying to strip that away from me or invalidate who I am or what I value simply because it's inconvenient for them or it doesn't follow the rules or the script. As a disclaimer here, I am not about to invalidate anybody who has chosen the route of using psychiatric medications. It is a total game changer for some people and that is awesome and I'm super happy for you if you've cho chosen that route and it works well for you. But part of the reason why I feel so strongly on this point is because my mom, when she was alive, she was a force to be reckoned with. As I've mentioned before, there were a lot of really extreme things about my mom. She was incredibly amazing and brilliant and genius and creative in so many ways, but she also had a lot of woundedness and madness within her. And those things do often go hand in hand to varying degrees. But as she got older, they started putting her on more and more and more psychiatric medications until I couldn't even keep track of how many meds they had her on. And sometimes when I would call her, most of the time when I would call her and I would talk to her, she just sounded so flat. She didn't seem like she was doing any of her creative endeavors anymore. She didn't have that spark. She she didn't crack jokes. She wasn't lively. And yeah, she wasn't screaming. She wasn't sobbing. She wasn't having those extremes. But she she just seemed so stripped of her personality. It was like they just kept feeding her pills until she just became flat because that was more convenient she fit in better. She caused less issues. And granted, my mom and I did have a tumultuous relationship, but I still am very proud to be her daughter because she was so brilliant and lovely and amazing and authentic. She was a true original. And I'm so proud to be her daughter. And I'm so sad that they just kept putting her on more and more meds and they just kept trying to fix her instead of helping her to just mitigate the challenges that she was dealing with, because there is a difference. There's a difference between mitigating the challenges that you're dealing with versus stripping away everything you are. That is why, to me, it is so important to embrace these things about ourselves. Yes, if you choose to take psychiatric medicine because it does help you and it helps you mitigate those challenges, that is fantastic. 
but I would hate for any of us to be put on such a cocktail of medications and to go through any sorts of quote unquote therapies that tried to just force us to conform because for every one of the challenges that we have, there are amazing things about us that would be awful to have ripped away, not just for us, but for everybody around us. We have so much to offer to the people around us and we have so much to offer to the world with all of the beautiful things that come along with what makes us different. And that is a huge part of the self-identity journey that we do go on is identifying to what degree do we mitigate the challenges? Do we flatten ourselves out so that life becomes a little easier? And to what degree do we embrace those challenges and have life be harder, but have that spark of madness and creativity and joy and brightness that is also part of us? And that's something we all have to individually discover on our own. We've talked about a lot of different things today, and a lot of them we have said, you know, this is this is something that almost everybody goes through. And a lot of this stuff is because the reality is, is as humans, the most part, we all go through a period of identity development. It's just those of us that are neurodivergent and were forced to mask for so long, and those of us that went through trauma, we didn't get to do that during the time that was convenient to our biology or convenient to our lives, which makes the identity development journey just more of a struggle. And it takes longer and it's so much just bigger and deeper in so many ways. And because of that, it can also be more challenging in so many ways. And sometimes it can get disheartening because we do get all of this information on the identity development journey as well as on our healing journey and we think you know is this ever going to get any better will i always just be a square peg in a round hole because we get this information but it doesn't necessarily automatically fix anything and it doesn't necessarily make things easier it just makes us more informed and so it can be easy to get disheartened which is why we wanted to end on the song jump rope by blue october so there'll be a bump and there will be a bruise there'll be alarms and there will be a snooze there'll be a path that you will have to choose there'll be a win and there will be a lose and you gotta hold your head up high and watch all the negative go by don't be ashamed to cry you go ahead because life's like a jump rope up down up down and that's the reality of it our healing journey our self-identity journey life in general it's like a jump rope. There's, There are downs, there are challenges, but there are also ups and beautiful moments and, and sparks of creativity and madness. We will have this playlist on our website. And even if you don't, from my perspective anyway, even if you don't listen to any of the other songs today, I really would encourage you to listen to Jump Rope. I love this song so much that like, if anybody ever made a movie about my life, I would want this song to play in the closing credits because it really is an embodiment of what life is and self-discovery is. Everyone's life is a mixed bag. Everyone has their own set of challenges. But like Autumn said, you know, there are beautiful moments too. And it's not just about how you're perceiving what you're going through, how you're perceiving yourself and all of the experiences that you've had that brought you to this point. It's what you do with that. Yes, it does get better. 
there will always be challenges that will never go away completely because and honestly i wouldn't really want them to because as much as they can suck sometimes as painful as they can be challenges do help us grow for me personally nothing has encouraged more growth than adversity so it's what you choose to do with it every time that you have one of those downs you can choose to let it drag you down and make you miserable and make you hopeless you could choose that or you could choose to see life like a jump rope it is up and down and you can turn it into a game and you can find your own rhythm you can play by your own rules that's where the hope is in this is that you even when you don't feel like you have control you do you do have control you have it through your perception you have it through your will to keep going you have it through the choices that you make and the growth that that comes from you you have all of these avenues available to you and if anything as hard as things may have been for you up to this point, you are so well equipped now to make your life what you want it to be. It'll never be perfect. There will still be challenges. You'll probably always be that oddball that doesn't quite fit, but you won't be alone. There are plenty of us that are those oddballs that will never quite fit. And Honestly, guys, if you ever want to join me in a game of jump rope, I am down for it. I would also enjoy playing a, a game of jump rope, though I will admit I'm not very good at it. And perhaps that analogy is true for life sometimes as well. One of the things I do love about that song specifically, though, is the idea of life being like a jump rope or even our journeys being like a jump rope. Up and down are both parts of that. And so we really need to open ourselves up to accept both the up and the down and not try to invalidate either one of those occurrences when they happen. All right, so we hope that you enjoyed our playlist. And if you would like to actually listen to the songs that we talked about today, Ivy, could you please tell them where they could find this playlist on our website? I absolutely will. And don't be surprised if there are a few additional songs to this playlist that did not make it into the episode. All right, so you can find the playlist at our website, www.differentfunctional.com. Uh, you can find us on Facebook as Different Functional. You can find us on TikTok and Instagram as Different underscore Functional. We'd love to hear from you guys. Please reach out, drop us a comment on socials. If you want to email us, you can reach us at differentfunctional at gmail.com. Also, it would be doing us such a solid if you could tell people about us, help us get some exposure, leave us a rating, a review, a comment. We would appreciate it so much. You would be our hero and we'll play jump rope with you guys first. <laughs> <laughs> whoever leaves comments or writes to us or just you know anything but we'll we'll make sure to include you in the first round of jump rope just saying <laughs> i would really also love it if 
any of our listeners would throw at us any of the songs that they have found personally relevant on their identity development journey. You know, when you go in to listen to our playlist, a lot of them are going to be very specific genres that Ivy and I listen to because that's where we got the inspiration for these. But I know there's a whole world of music out there that we have not tapped into. And I would love to experience that. I would love to be a little part of your identity journey, even if it's just peripherally by hearing the music that inspired you. Hell yes, I am totally on board for that. Please do send us those. In fact, we will add it to the playlist. We'll make it a big collab because like Autumn said, it's gonna be relatively limited genres if it's just our music choices because to be perfectly honest, Autumn and I listen to a lot of the same music. So please help us find some diversity in there for sure. Uh, it, it would be great to have just a big collaborative playlist of amazing songs that help us all grow and embrace ourselves just a little bit more. Thank you all for listening. And as always, remember, different does not mean defective. <laughs>